almost forgot about this. Welcome back to another episode of Between Two Posts. Uh, thank you to the listeners for coming back for another week. We got a great episode. It's Everett alongside in the flesh, Connor. What up? Connor, uh, Evan Painter on the mic, Evan Moyes on the mic, and we might have a special guest in this intro, but we'll see how he feels. Um, Painter, we're going to kick it to you, man. How are you? Great. Golf yeah. today. Feeling sunburnt as ever. Okay. Uh, tested out the new driver. Slicing like crazy and three putting. Three putting. As you should. Hey, tell the folks your score today, Painter. Shot a 50 on a par three. Par is 27. Uh-huh. Buzzing. Crushed. <laughs> Crushed. Hey, what's the Smoked the flag though? pin. What's the beer count? Beer count and zero. Okay. Well, <laughs> Can't, Can't drink those there. Oh, here we go. Oh, hey, special guest, Kyle Conan. Welcome to... Jeez. You boys getting after it or what? Well, nope. We're just hanging out. Water. We're oh, just sorry. hanging out. Um, I'm sorry. sorry I'm late. Some of us have to actually work until, until we fly out there and just sit in the lazy river all day. But oh, weird, eh? I wouldn't know what that's like. Kyle, how are you? Oh, I feel like I'm a chicken with my head cut off right now. I'm running around trying to do a million things uh, before we before we take off Thursday. So, yeah. What, Kyle, what's the schedule like? I mean, like, elaborate for me here. Yeah, you're flying Thursday. Yeah, well, for for the uh, the is this, the exhibit hall. Exhibit hall. When's the when when do we start the exhibit <laughs> hall? You tell us. Yeah, I, exhibit, exhibit hall doesn't start till Friday. Okay, perfect. Right, right, so we're going to okay. okay. So you guys aren't you guys aren't doing anything the next three days. You're literally just sitting by the pool. Okay. No, they're they're making deals right now. <laughs> they are. They're they are. they're making deals. They're cashing checks. They're, they're cashing checks. They're cash and checks. Well, um, apparently Dom's still working because I just got like three masks in the mail from him. So he's is he down? He he must not be down there yet. No, no, he's, he's grinding. He's grinding. He's grinding for sure. Yeah, he's, he's, some of us, some of us have to work. Yeah, he's sniffing fumes. Like you said, Kyle, some of us have to work still. So. Well, you guys, you <laughs> guys are the fa- hey, hey. I'll say this: you guys are the face of the company. Because last year when I was there, I mean, if I if you ever thought Ev doesn't have talents, you just he's a people person. He 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 makes his his life living off of this event. I've never seen a guy more outgoing in my life than when I'm at P Hats. <laughs> so i'm just i'm just trying to keep up with you hey sometimes you got to turn it on sometimes you got to fucking you got to have some jam and most times i like to be in bed by 10 but when you show up to sometimes you fall asleep at 2 a.m in a chair in a chair moiser how are you how is the bachelor party pretty sick dude northern minnesota is beautiful it's a hell of a fucking time uh i went to I guess uh, Zor for the mini boys listening, Zorba's is like a, a big deal up there. Went to Zorba's the one night. I think I saw about half the Golden Gophers roster up there. So okay. just uh way she goes, but it was a hell of a time. Golfed uh, course designed by Arnold Palmer. Yeah, any beef there, Moiser? Any beef where? With the uh, Minnesota guys while you were partying or what? No, absolutely not. Okay. I heard Moiser was just in there shouting, let's go, Bobcats. <laughs> Who the fuck is a Bobcats? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh, hey, we gotta get the guac guy back in here. Where is he? We gotta get him. Yeah. This. Yeah. Oh, that fucking Bobcats! Jesus Christ! I thought you were talking. I thought you were talking, dude. No, 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 the Ohio State University Buckeyes, and then there know. is, then there's the Ohio University Bobcats. <laughs> I thought you were fucking there saying is. something about the Bobcats. <laughs> You're the most small town Ohio guy I know. Like, you didn't even think to to broaden your horizon past the borders of Ohio. You're like, oh well, the, there's Ohio Bobcats. No, we're talking about the national champion. Quinnipiac Bobcat. I thought we were talking about Vermilion. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, that's it. That's who I was. That's that's honestly where my head went first. Here, I, I thought we were talking SB hockey. Come on. Now. Yeah, yeah. I got one. I got one game with about 18 goals against with that franchise. So that's where I'm at. Jeez, we're dialed today. Love it. Um, how is Packer Plant, dude? That guy is fucking funny as hell. I mean, he is he is just all time. I, Are we he, talking about the, the GM of the Minnesota Loons? No, 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 no. no, no. Wilderness. Associate, associate head coach for the Minnesota Wilderness. That's oh, who we're talking about. No, he was good, dude. It was it was fucking fun. Like he him and then our other the one kid we were up there with New Power, the Wyatt New Power. He's uh he played at UConn and then he's with Detroit now, but. Yeah, he, uh, he he's a fucking stick. Packy's a fucking stick, like sick golfer. And uh, we just we have like the one day we all uh, it was literally it was Packy, New Power, uh, this kid that golfed at the U, and then uh, New Power's dad. They're all nasty at golf. It was those four in a scramble versus there was fifteen guys there. It was those four in a scramble versus everyone else. And they literally lost by a hole. Like, it was fucking insane. Wow. So, they're legit. Dude, they were nasty. The one, the kid that the kid that golfed at the U legit had a fucking hole in his driver, and he was still piping it, like, 30 yards farther than me every fucking drive. <laughs> he was fucking nasty. Um, To touch on Moiser, did anyone see his uh, collab with Zach Bryan? Did you guys see oh, that? Oh, yeah. Did you, anybody else see that? Oh, I missed it. Photos that it's go sick. hard. They're sick. Was that dude, actually right? almost Friday? No, dude, I wish. I want to go. I have, I've literally never been to Stratton Farms. I cannot wait to go there, though. But um, What's your gal's name? Chloe. Yeah, and? Stratton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> dude. Okay, make time uh, eventually. Razzles is busy. Razzles. Yeah, this is a hot season, baby. Um, so I guess one thing I, we want to touch on, cup winners, how about those Vegas Golden Knights? They really circumvented the cap, just like those Tampa Bay Lightning, eh? Those fucking scumbags. <laughs> I don't see anything wrong with it. Hey, uh, that dude. For us, please. Kyle, you know a bit. <laughs> No, I mean it's it's within the rules. You every team in the league's done it. I mean, everyone goes over the cap in playoffs. Like I, I, I guarantee you, like not one cup winner. Uh, actually, I don't guarantee it. There's definitely been someone who's probably been under, but like 
everyone's definitely added money going into playoffs because it doesn't count against your cap. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. Do you guys want some insight from a guy that might have been like, might have been involved? Lot, maybe he, a little. He bit. saw a couple of games. Would you guys want to talk to someone? Yeah, yeah I'd love. I'd love some insight. Okay, okay cool. I, we Bring have, in our on-site yeah, yeah, I'm going to actually hear it. Give me a second. Yeah, hang on. There you go. Open on, on-site correspondent. So Returning back for a second. Oh, baby. <laughs> why, are, why are you there? <laughs> I, I live here, actually. We're in Michigan. Asterix, Asterix, he's here for the NHL show. Vaughn, oh, Vaughn Booth, he'll, he will be there. Where are you, Ab? You're in Michigan? No, they're in a, they're at P hats. Savvy, yeah, savvy, savvy's an equipment manager now. No way, dude. He's savvy, got, he's, he's, got couple, he's got a couple friends down here. He's got friends in Denver, friends in Cali, friends yeah. in oh, Anchorage. So actually, down all I heard, I heard Savvy's here uh, to represent Kingsfield. He's their new face. Yes, in the brand. yes, that's what it is. I uh, use uh, code Seville twenty for twenty percent off. Yeah. Dude, you swipe, swipe up, folks. Uh, yeah, swipe, swipe up. up. Swipe up on it. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> we'll, we'll drop that in the clip. Dude, I have awesome. twenty promo I had, code. I had. So, I went so close. So I'm when Ev's anywhere, I like to follow Ev pretty much. I had someone send me your exact helmet, and they were like, "This is exactly what I'd want my helmet to look like, except like with their team logos." And I was my like, helmet? "Yeah, uh, you're." I think it was like one of your junior ones. My Tri City one. That was a pretty good one. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think a, a, uh, a lot of my helmets. Wait, right. did you agree yeah. to do it or were yeah. you like count yeah. salt, my guy? No, no, no. It's not it, like he plays, he play. he's at Michigan Tech. So it's, it's, he just liked like the layout and like oh, the, the style. He's not like, yeah, but I mean, Savvy's just a style guy because uh, a trendsetter, if you will, because the amount of kids that have called and asked <laughs> for the Savvy Pulse graphic, which is a single pulse with the outline, uh, has skyrocketed since this guy has worn it. Well, so, it looks like a lot how many guys fun. asked for that soft boot, too? Soft boot, yeah, yeah. The, the Savvy is that soft a huge boot? deal that yeah. I got a soft boot, yeah, yeah. Well, yours is different, yours is different than the stock soft, yeah. They call it the Savvy boot, what? What? The sexy and <laughs> you know your you know your left boot is softer than the right one too because you're full right. What's going on? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> hey, get out of his head! Come, get out of his head! You're in you're in his mental summer mode right now. Fuck up. Hey, you're gonna fuck up his back feet here. Um. So, do you guys have any questions for the guy? I got one, dude. I want to hear Painter. Painter's yeah, Painter, got to dial it in. Dial it in. UNO here. Yeah, you uh, know, guy, how pumped were you when you heard Jake McCamey was coming to work for the Silver Knights? Oh, my gosh. Jake McCamey gets a shout out. Um, he's a beauty. Yeah, he's the best guy ever. He does his job really, really well. And it's so much fun getting to, like, celebrate everything that's happened the past couple of weeks with him. And I know everyone, like Gabby and, and all of them, they love it. He's he's climbed the ranks to, to be – doing what he's doing right now so he's unbelievable what did he do he does like all the travel like all that oh ops guy well yeah he's an ops guy in omaha he did literally everything really he did video. he's a gross hockey player too yeah he's unbelievable okay he 
video, got travel, like if we wouldn't be able to travel, you know what I mean? Heart and soul kind of guy. Yeah. Right? Beauty. Um, painters. So we were talking about how we kind of bagged on <laughs> Omaha and uh, how it ranked higher than Tampa. Um, He's got to defend me here. Well, no, 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 no. We, we, we've, we've, we're past that. He was talking about the the College World Series and how sick Omaha. Oh yeah. How it's like a must go to, and uh, he didn't say this. We we heard it from somebody else, but he he said, or well, somebody had told us. We got some info from somebody that uh, it's a a great place for the best smoke shows in the Midwest to congregate and they all show up at the event. Is that true, Painter? Can you say that from experience? As a single man, yes. The Mattress Factory is the best place to go if you want to meet some ladies. Oh, the Mattress Factory? Mattress Factory. Dude. Matt, right? Old Matt. Yeah, the Mattress Factory and the Beer Garden are the top places to go. Tinder during this time of year is the best place to be. When you say Mattress What's the mattress factory? So it's like a literal old mattress factory that they sold and turned into a bar. And it's like a big, like tourist point, And it's sick. That's the most Omaha thing you've ever heard. I can't even take you guys seriously yeah. when you say that place is better than Tampa. Like, you guys go hang out in, a, in a, an abandoned mattress factory. Like, Dude, it's sick. That's sick. <laughs> no one understands it, Painter. No hey, one understands This isn't Tampa. No one gets it. <laughs> oh but man. like i sent i sent everett a video of it that like of the uh the after game parties in the beer garden it on tiktok like yeah it's sick some guy proposed to his girlfriend on stage two nights ago i don't know about that it's questionable yeah, it's kind of lame though but... that's like proposing that's like proposing to your girlfriend at an all game <laughs> yeah Dude, hey, we, some... we had that Aberdeen. Oh, Aberdeen. Right. I Dude, Aberdeen. like Corpus, no Aberdeen. Way. I think we had one in Witchy. I think it's just like a normal. I mean, it's a normal yeah. thing. I saw someone. Someone just did it at like another, like not not null level, but it was like either the Fed or something. Like someone proposed that. Oh, no. Hey, the Fed. Oh, oh my gears there. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> Any other questions for the kid? Yeah, dude. Like, the, the the party in Vegas, like, did you just invite yourself to that? Because there were, like, seven goalies on the roster. Like, <laughs> yeah. like did you show up, or did they still, ha- like, were they like, hey, we might need, like, a, a few a extra Black ace? Goalies. Yeah. There, they a, had black aces. Though. Yeah, I think we're, we were, what, five of us? So I was, um, there was Helsey, Quickie. Uh, Yuri, who? Quickie? Quickie? Ever heard uh, of him? <laughs> Jonathan Quick. Oh, oh cool. Were you oh, hanging God. out with him? Were you, uh, were you having Kings legend, at all? NHL legend. Oh, Vaughn legend. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And then, Blue Jackets legend. So they had three on roster. <laughs> three on roster, and then I was uh, I was the fourth goalie. So we had four of us um, going for everything. Oh, nice. Did you did you get to hang out with Quickie at all? Yeah, I hang out with him. Of course, Kyle That's punched good. right to Quickie question. Oh, I care about. I don't even care about Aiden Hill, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I did nothing. He's the best, dude. If you if you put if they played Quickie, it would have been over in four games. 
or savvy. Savvy too. Maybe maybe six, but huge. Um wait, can we time out this conversation? Yeah, go ahead. Are you sipping a sippy cup? What's happening right now? It's coffee. Well, I don't see any coffee in there, but yeah, I just chugged it all. But like I said, some of us have been working today. Some of some of us have been working today. No, we're cutting off the camera. It's just audio. Yeah, and I and I have and I have a big beer league playoff game tonight, so I gotta get refueled oh, for that. Dial it in. Maybe one of us can clinch. Before the game. What? How many beers before the game? Playoffs. So you got. I I don't think you go over one for a playoff game. Oh come on! No, you actually. I got a dude. I got a story for you guys. So. This is our our team captain's uh last game. He he announced to the team last regular season game. Wait, He's so gonna... is this like the finals? Well, it's it's our first playoff game, but he announced the last regular season game that he's going to retire after this year. He's he's been he's captained this A League squad for like twenty years. He's got his kids are grown up. Like he's got a wife, all this stuff. He he wrote us all handwritten letters. Wow, you're lying! Year. You're lying! What I'm a league! This is the ultimate shower guy, dude. We'll get you in the sleep. That's, wow, Kyle. That's, that's why I gotta limit it to less than one beer because we like we have to win this. this means everything. This, like the has, final final game. What, what? How does this fit into the work schedule here? I get just kind of curious. What what? Your your beer league game. How does it fit into the work schedule? It's at eight thirty p.m. Oh, okay. Just curious. Sorry. Just oh, you guys get good times for your I, final we're, games? We're, we're on different time zones here, bud. We're, I'm in Tampa. You're in Arizona. So, uh, I just want to double check here. I want a clarification. Yeah, I mean, but, but yeah no. It's, it's, it's 6, 6.30 here. So. Right. Time case. Sorry. Bring it home for the trophy case, please. Because no. I failed. Yeah, we need some hardware. Kyle. Yeah, Painter kind of choked on us, huh? Sorry. Yeah, 10-15 game. Uh, we got fucked. You were no or you got cut. <laughs> Bit about analyze. We uh, we got like hosed for one. It's tough, tough cookies. Okay. It was the ref's fault. It, it was. They sucked. Me. Can you ask Moiser a question? Oh, it does. My love, hey, please, hey, yeah, please, please, please ask me a question. Like, I, don't, I don't know how the hell that. <laughs> I feel like I'm I'm taking it over a little no, bit. No, I don't no, know. You're the no, 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 savvy, savvy. Listen, dude, this is all about you. I honestly, I I don't want the spotlight. I'm like I'm like the guy that sits in the fucking way. I'm like fucking I'm I'm Isaiah Seville of the fucking Vegas Golden Knights. I sit in the wings and I'm just here being a good fucking dude, keeping my fucking horse blinders on. And I'm working. I mean, some of us have to work around here. <laughs> Fuck. You know, that's what I'm saying. If you don't I'm work, saying. what are you doing? Exactly. That's what I'm, you know, fucking horse blinders. I'm just going. <laughs> I'm just. Well, I'm, you, I just want. I just wanted to know how you work because we didn't get a much, get much FaceTime before we started it all. So I was just like, what's dude, it? I, you know, I'm just trying to keep busy. So I'm just going to look like you're living life. Here. The beard looks immaculate. Yeah, I don't really, you know, I don't really have much, I but I do have a beard. Can you tell mine? Come on. Hang on, hang on. Let me get it's the coming in. Flashlight. Get on. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on. Before we go any further, Sebi, what's the rule for black aces? You got to grow a beard too? Um, I mean, it's 
I don't know if there's a rule, <laughs> but this is, this is this is about all you get. <laughs> this is about all you get for me. I I don't grow much. I don't grow much. So people might think, oh, I shaved. Uh, did you did you carry at the party? Like, did you step your role up? Oh, or- this is this is my media availability, Kyle. <laughs> this is my media availability. Um, so. So walk, you know, for the listeners at home, a lot of people don't understand what a black ace is. Uh, walk us through maybe the role of a black ace and then maybe a little further, walk us through a typical day in the life of NHL black ace, Isaiah, Isaiah Seville. Um, yeah, I mean, we um are active roster players, so... Um, technically, you can fuck the scratch list. We're on the we're scratched, but um, yeah, we skate and uh, we did like three on one off, uh, pretty much skates workouts. Um, then once it all happened, we got to party, and I think that was um, <laughs> one of the best parts. Um, uh, so yeah, we had a good time. I made sure to to um uh. I'm not fall behind on the party aspect of it and make sure that I um, did what I needed to do to get the job done. That's why we respect the fuck out of you. And that's exactly why you wear Vaughn. Cause you got, I mean, look, I know your collar. I know your collar looks like it's white right now, but fuck that collar is blue. Let me tell you, (laughs) I see it. Oh, you're beating my Hey, see this right here? Blue, blue. 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 Show us the logo. Blue Show us the logo. Logos. Oh, oh. Logos. Oh, okay. yeah. That's not Razzles. It's not Razzles. Sorry, guys. Razzles T. Right here. Right here. Not cost. Yeah, right there. Right there. Um, uh, anyone else? Questions for Mr. Seville? Are you ready? I got one to settle with my dad. Oh, oh, whoa. Oh, whoa. We got we got into topic of gear about for Isaiah because he was like, well, I was like, yeah, I think ever helped. Isaiah get into Vaughn and he goes, Isaiah wore Vaughn when he was in Dallas with me. And I go, I don't think he did. I'll be honest. I didn't. I wore CCM. Thank you. Yeah, I was uh, a CCM guy for a while. Ev pulled me out of it and got me into Vaughn. Ev, no, no. You you wore Vaughn. You you think figuratively Everett pulled you out of it. Everett physically pulled you out of it. Picked you up and dropped you into a Vaughn set, and the rest is history. That's that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. Ev pretty much yanked me out of it. He told me, You don't have a choice. You will be wearing Vaughn. Sometimes you got to lay down the line and you got to get a finger in a face and you got to let them know it's time to be blue collar and it's it's time to join the family. You know what's best for you. I know what's best for you. I want what's best for you. You're coming to the team. Can we can we just cut cut what you just said and just put that on Vaughn's Instagram? I want you to delete every post they've ever made. And I just want it to be <laughs> I just want it to be a fucking clip of some man fucking working his dick off in a West Virginia cold mine with Vaughn hockey gear on, and that's what's playing over it. And scene. Should be a marketing guy, yeah. dude. That was dude. What are you doing right now? Get to work. I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Put my gear on, put my wheeling nailers jersey on, and I'm gonna go back down to West Virginia and we're gonna get some content of me just 
fucking swinging away a pickaxe and a coal mine. And it's literally going to be a 40 hour video. And it's just going to be an ISO cam of my 40 hour shift for a week in a wheeling West Virginia coal mine with Vaughn hockey gear on. I think that'll get views. I think it'll get views for sure. Hey, you got to bring the lunch pail though. If you don't have a lunch pail, we can't, we can't post it. Confirmed. And you have to have the pulse graphic. No, one pulse. The savvy savvy pulse. Savvy pulse pulse with outline. Gross. Yeah, but I'll get but I'll get it in all white because I never I don't know where I'm gonna be playing after <laughs> video shot. Alrighty. Um appreciate you guys. Love you, you Sam. Anything Thanks, else? Is that, how long is he here for? Is he here all week? No, he's getting out of here. Uh he's running the Vaughn booth, actually. Yeah, <laughs> I wish. Um you guys got anything else before we kick it to stay locked? No, dude, that guy's a fucking man. Give us a give us a summation here, Moiser. Yeah, give us a quick summary. You're on dude, fire today, and summary. we just got to keep rolling. Yeah, that guy, that guy. Okay, summation. A mini guys are all great dudes. I that guy, that guy. I don't even know him, but I think he'd take a bullet for me. B, he just fucking snaps pucks around, and he has no problem talking about it. Fucking, I mean, he just goes lunar, lunar head high. What's what's the what's the saying in that one show? Isn't uh is sauce? Uh, lunar head high like rocket sauce or something like that. He just <laughs> he just lets it he just lets it buck. And I mean that guy I I would literally take a bullet for. You know, a lot of guys have like Kyle has Jonathan Quick. You know, that's that's his that's his NHL goalie crush. Is Staylock yours? Mine. Yeah. Okay. Wow. I, I heard I heard he's a like a sneaky top three puck player in the league. Oh, not sneaky at all. Well, sneaky in my no, opinion. You, you walk, you walk it, you walk in. No, you, here's, let me find a piece of paper here. You, you walk into the fucking <laughs> rank. You walk into the fucking rank. You're on a different team. Here, I have my, I have a null tender list. Cause this is all I have. You walk into the fucking rank. You pull out the pre-scout. You flip to page two. Opposing goaltender. It's got their heat map, maybe, maybe like where where to shoot for, you know, strengths, weaknesses. Fucking bold uppercase 36 point underline 19 times, all caps. This guy can play the fucking puck. Do not <laughs> rim, do not rim to this fucking guy. And then that's that's his scouting report. That's all you get on the pre-scout. You fucking close the book, you go, you go do your fucking dino, you go sip your cup of coffee, and you go out on the ice and you let Al Stalock send absolute heat missiles 15 heat feet missiles. over your head to some fucking guy on the far blue line that goes in and just goes absolute jar jar banks. And I, I gotta I gotta say I don't think we ever top this this episode. This is gonna be electric. Unbelievable episode of a lifetime. This is it. Fucking dial in. We're done. This is the last episode ever. Um. Anybody else? Anything before we kick it to stale? Did you Did you ask him about the uh, the Staylock video? Oh yeah. Oh hell yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> Hundred percent, thousand percent. I think that was most most of our chat. Yeah, that might have been the entirety <laughs> of the conversation. Stand up, VH, little butterfly, mix it in, highlight biz. Right. Um, so to wrap up, like, follow, subscribe, 
uh, follow uh, Isaiah Seville on Instagram. Savvy20, discount what? code. Yeah, Seville, no, Seville20. Sorry, swipe up. correction. Kingsville, Seville20, discount code. Uh, kick it over to that guy. Um, Twitter, just go Instagram. Just go Instagram. Twitter's not, Twitter's not cool anymore. Verified guy, big <laughs> deal. Uh, and then follow us. We have a show if you're listening here. Tell one, if everybody that's listening right now tells one friend, we can grow exponentially and we can keep episodes going. No, a friend, uh, tell a friend. Friend, tell a friend. Uh, and that's all I have. Anybody else? Signing off. Thank you, boys. And uh, we'll see you eventually. Good luck, guys. Stay grinding, guys. Stay grinding. Welcoming to the pod, standing at a stunning five foot and 11 inches, all the way from the great state of Minnesota. He was a fourth round draft pick in 2005. He's another elite product of the Gold Priest. He's one of the most handsome goalies in the Dub Beauty League, excuse me. He's a Bill Masterson nominee, and he's a 14 year pro. Welcoming to the pod, it's Al Stalock. Al, how are you? I'm good. I wish you would have said six feet, though, right out of the gates. Should, I, should we go back? We'll give it a 6 1. We can cut we that, can add it. Yeah, no, we can edit. Uh, <laughs> no, the five eleven stings a little bit, but I appreciate uh, you guys having me on today. Al, I've tried changing t- that my whole career. Well, I mean, you got you always got to bump up the player profiles, right? You add a couple yeah, inches. I've tried. No? I've tried. I've tried. Trust me, I don't know what they 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 really want to hold me at five eleven. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but oh, there's man. not many goalies left that are five eleven in the league, though. You know what though? You get to be a part of an elite group of guys that goalies that operate at five eleven, and there aren't a lot of them, and there's not a lot of them that do it as well as you do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let's let's right. preface that. Let's preface that with being in in the five foot club, but like operating at a elite top tier level. Like there's guys who are operating at five feet are just in a league of their own. Yeah, you watch. Uh, he's my one of my favorite goalies in the league now. Uh, UC Saros is incredible with what he does. Even when I go out and watch his pregame skates or even when you're playing against him, just uh, in awe of the way he moves and the way he uses his body is uh, pretty amazing. And if you want, you ever wonder what, you know, like if he had a six, three frame, even how dominant he could be um, or maybe it hurt him, who knows, but he's a guy that uh, he's so fun to watch for any hockey fan, whether you're a goalie fan or a fan of watching goals or whatever it may be. He's a uh, incredible talent. You bring up I just love a bit of the underdog story. You know what I mean? Like the league's been in the six feet, you know, six four realm for a bit, and like the guys that are in the five foot, like they're just the underdog story. I love it. Yeah, yeah. I think it seems like a lot of the uh, the under six foot guys are getting a lot of TV time. Uh, you got Panger, who seems like he's behind the glass every night during uh, playoffs or <laughs> during the regular season. So. Uh, they're, the smaller goalies are finding a different niche, it seems like. And it's not on the ice, but it seems like it's more off the ice behind the glass. I don't know how tall Bush is. You'd have to look up Bush on HockeyDB, but he's got to be over six feet, I think. But not by a crazy amount. Um, well, what's the what's Wolf's first name? I mean, Dustin. He's Dude, I think on paper it says that? five. Dustin Wolf. He's in uh, Calgary system. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. I think on pa- yep. I think on paper, I think he's five ten, but I've skated with him before, and I I don't think he's five ten. You think he's, he's a little guy, no, but he... man, no, he's shorter for sure. He's really? had an unbelievable career so far. Yeah, he, dude, he's so, he's so, it's just I love I skating with him. It was nuts. He he's just so fun to watch. Like he just he doesn't do anything more than he has to, but it's just like 
he knows exactly where his body is and just the littlest movements he has to do to make it. He's unbelievable to watch. I love watching him. Dude, that guy so, battles, dude. He's had a yeah, run he works this year and he battles and bag off. Are, are they still playing? No, no, they got knocked out. I think Coachella made it in. I think it's Coachella yeah, uh, Hershey final. Really? Yeah. Coachella first year, right? Yeah, first year for them. Yeah. Yeah, it's exciting. It's crazy. Uh, Al, you so, brought up something interesting there. I wanted to ask, do you have any other fun guys you like to watch? Because, like, we don't really hear that a lot. Like, you like going to watch uh, UC do his warm-up skating or his game day skates. Is there anybody else? Um, I mean, I, I think I'm just, uh, I like watching hockey itself. I mean, I don't go out and just, you know, watch a goalie, go out to pregame skate and watch a goalie. Usually I poke my head out and see who's out there skating that day after a pregame skate and watch like five to 10 minutes, 10 minutes of it. Um, and practices are watching practices for a lot of fans that don't get to see like just a a day-to-day practice or a pregame skate. Uh, I don't want to say it's more fun than a game, but, um, you know, it's something definitely I wish everybody could see because the stuff that guys practice in on uh, during a game, whether it's, a, you know, a guy finding a spot on the power play and working on taking 30 reps of that one time or a centerman bearing down on faceoffs on a certain side or, you know, defensemen um, walking the line and working on getting their shot through and maybe talk goaltenders working on certain stuff or maybe – Last game, you got exposed on once or twice, and you want to go back and fix that and feel better about that position where you were at. And uh, I just like going out and and watching uh, what different practices are like. It's always fun going out and seeing what a team does. They practice fast, uh, what they like to do, or if they take it easy, if it's optional. It's just fun to go out and, and see different groups. And, you know, UC's just a guy. I think you go out, just a similar-sized guy that uh, – has to play the game a certain way and um, taking things from his game is, is always good. But uh, you know, there's a lot of guys I, I love watching uh, and go back to when I was young. Um, you know, obviously Marty Berdur was a guy that, uh, you know, really started playing the puck and made the game, you know, really interesting with the, uh, you know, the way he'd handle the puck, the way he'd go out of the net, the way the saves he would make. He was fun. Uh, being a USA hockey fan, Mike Richter had an incredible run in the nineties um he was he's up there for sure and then you know once you start getting into into college hockey and pro hockey when i was young jonathan quick you know turned into an all-star at a young age in la and won cups and you know being able to play against him quite a bit it was uh it's always fun to watch him and i mean right now obviously we're witnessing he's not playing aiden hills putting on a heck of a performance for the gold knights but uh a chance to win a third cup for jonathan quick is pretty cool absolutely for sure Uh, so Al, usually we start everything off. We got a handful of questions. We really just want to kind of break it down and get to know you a little bit better. Uh, so I will feed you these. If you have any questions along the way, you let me know, but these are all pretty easy. Uh, okay. pre- preferred save diving bow check or blocker windmill. Skate save. Skate save. Okay. I still do maybe one a year or two a year in practice, but I got to protect my ankle. Um, so you're talking to yeah, skate anymore. anymore. I don't, does anybody know? Yeah, no one probably knows what a skate save is anymore. <laughs> Some of the young guys, they'll do it in practice and they're like, what'd you just do? Um, diving poke check or a windmill? I got to say windmill. I've tried to take the poke check out of my game as yeah. much as I can as I've gotten older because these guys' hands are so damn good. It doesn't work anymore. 
Or when I was younger, you could bait them in and let them get close. But nowadays, it doesn't even matter how close they get. Somehow they get around you. So I've tried to almost take the poke check out of my game. Al, what about the what about the move on like a half wrap or a wrap round? You're just throwing the twig out there. Like, is that still like in the arsenal or no? <laughs> oh, well, you mean like you're on the you're on the pipe? They take it behind. You're totally beat, and you just go to try to reach back and grab it. Absolutely. Oh, um, boy, would you get yelled at by a goalie coach now because <laughs> you have to be? I I mean, for me, I'd be out of position. You know, and that's that's just the known. That just is known that I'll be out of position on that. I'll be overplaying or over aggressive. But um, a goalie nowadays, like they, they're just ninety nine percent of the time they're never out of position. There's no like sprawl, like you talk about uh, Dustin Wolf. Always just no extra movement, and I think that's a lot of goalies nowadays. I mean, again, Aiden Hill tip your cap to the paddle save he made. It wasn't a wraparound, but his save that he made on Cousins uh, in Game One was incredible. But so many of those saves, it's almost like a second third shot you know what i mean on the original rap so many goalies are sealed and already i mean they essentially beat the guy to the to the post now you know um yeah but pardon me um but uh yeah it's just the position is so the athletic side is obviously there and great goalies obviously a lot of them are unbelievable athletes but the positional game the um the game plan of going into a game is just it's just crazy it's at a whole new level 100 percent um al you're a minnesota guy so i gotta know is ketchup spicy is ketchup spicy yes depends how much tabasco you put into it okay, but, but uh no when i pull it out of the fridge every fridge i pull it out, out of is just uh original and this isn't a shout out or a um ad or anything but original Heinz doesn't say spicy on it or anything well no I just wanted we wanted to gauge your Midwesternness just because some people from Minnesota oh, oh. when I was at, you know when what? I was As there I've for the older, let's play I like spicier stuff which okay. is which I don't know if that's normal or not but I've introduced Tabasco into my diet now and I'm a huge fan of it on like eggs and stuff like that man those, which I wasn't when I was younger. yeah I was gonna say those San Jose years really changed yeah yeah, no kidding. Uh, but yeah, I was out there for uh, Let's Play, and I was giving Berkey shit about just the Minnesota classics and ketchup being spicy is one of them. Yeah, no, I wouldn't say so. Not for me. Good man, good but man. But we are, we are a bland, <laughs> yeah. a bland uh, area in the country for uh, for how we like our food. Um, L, worst and best part of Mall of America? Uh, the worst part, uh, the amount of people on weekends and weekdays. I mean, there's tourists that still are going there. Um, but yeah, there, there can be times where that place is packed and, uh, it's hard to get around. And a lot of people here, when they're going to the mall of America, know exactly what store they're going to. And they got to go to one store, get in there and get out. And sometimes that can take an hour for parking and, and getting in, getting out, getting to your store. We all know what wing to park in. There's four different, like, ramps. Oh, yeah. So if you're going to X store, you need to know which ramp you're going to, and then you're in and out. Where a lot of these tourists might have no clue where they're going there for the first time, which makes it uh, a little bit of a headache. And I think the good part of it is just the closeness to it is uh, when you do need to get – I mean, they got almost dang near every store you need to get to. So 
if it's um, Father's Day and it's a day before Father's Day and you need to get something for your dad, you got a you got a good choice <laughs> at uh, yeah. getting a gift in twenty minutes. Yeah, you can't miss there, eh? Yeah, or your wife's birthday or whatever. One that you don't want to forget. Wedding anniversary, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank God for Apple reminders now. Yeah. Gotta love them. Uh, Stillwater Ponies versus the uh, South St. Paul Packers in a seven-game series. Who's coming out champs? What Then or now? It's a mixed roster. You could put anybody on that St. Paul uh, Packers roster that you want. Oh, then I think if you go back, I think you take South St. Paul in that series uh, any day of the week. And I think a lot of Stillwater people would say that too as far as hockey. But uh, the tradition at South St. Paul hockey, I think you walk into what is uh, Doug Wooger Arena now, what used to be called uh, Wakota Arena. I think you look up and uh, look at the state tournament banners and the appearances and uh, it says a lot about the tradition at South St. Paul. Um and I know Berkey, uh, Berkey's jersey flies high up at Stillwater's <laughs> rank. It's still hanging on the wall. It's moved every year. I got to find it every year, but it's still up there. Um, but I think uh, he would probably even agree that if South St. Paul got to build an all-time roster, they might win the series. Yeah, it makes more sense. Uh, I think the ha- Stillwater's got a couple NHLers, but uh, not nearly as many as the St. Paul Packers. That's for sure. South St. Paul. We got to say South St. Paul. That's another. It's another uh, hot topic. A lot of times in programs, it just says you're from St. Paul, but um, South St. Paul is a completely different city. So it, it's uh, you take a lot of pride in it, right? St. Paul is a big, big area, and it's a lot of people probably think it's just maybe the south side of St. Paul, but South St. Paul is actually a city. So we have we have a South St. Paul, we have a West St. Paul, and we have a North St. Paul. Oh. There's no actually East St. Paul city though. That's odd. Yeah, there's north, south, east, west, but or north, sorry, north, south, west, but there's no East St. Paul. There yeah. is, but it's just not called East St. Paul. They just gave it to Stillwater. Uh, yeah, Stillwater's. <laughs> yeah, I mean, essentially, Stillwater's <laughs> a little bit more east of where that would be, but yeah, Stillwater is the, the east side. Um, Al, it, you kind of mentioned this already. You said Marty B was one of your favorite guys growing up. Do you have any other goalies you liked looking at when you were a kid playing at St. Paul, South St. Paul? Uh, yeah, I mean, when we were young, uh, youth hockey players, we got that. It was really cool. Our rink had a really great setup. So we got to uh, sit uh, or sorry, stand kind of where the players came off after games and ask for sticks. And at oh, that time, there was a local sports sports store in town that sponsored them and gave them sticks, and that's when they were using wood sticks, obviously. Yeah. And uh, the goalie at the time, his name was Brad Musta, who ended up playing in the USHL. And he, I got one of his sticks, and uh, till this day, his stick had like the trigger finger in it, the cutout. Really? And yeah, and so the, the reason I use the the cutout is because Brad Musta from South St. Paul was a eight-year-old kid and i uh, got the stick after a game i was like wow i gotta do this to my stick brad Muss is doing it so from that day on my dad started filing it down in the garage and, and still to this day using the trigger figure and i don't know what i'd do a lot of times the guy was like hey try my stick feel all lighted as it's i can't grab a normal normal paddle and i think you ask any guy that has a trigger finger or any modification like you see with longquist stick or um any of those guys stick it's hard to go back but that's where the uh, trigger figure uh Kind of started for me almost probably 30 years ago now. That's wild. Does he know that? 
Uh, if he listens to the podcast, he will know, but I, I probably said it before in the other stories um, where I don't know how much he's reading hockey or what. Uh, I haven't seen Brad in a long time, probably since he handed me that stick, to be <laughs> honest. But uh, no, it's uh, yeah, since, since then I've had the uh, some type of trigger finger, and it's morphed over the years. I mean, it's, uh, it's not a uh, true, like, full trigger where my finger just goes in the slot. I've shaved it down on both sides and it's definitely changed uh, a handful, a handful or maybe even a dozen times. Maybe every year at the start of the year, we grab your stick after like a month off. Yeah. It feels foreign. You're like, Oh, this doesn't feel right. I'm gonna try something different. And then you just stick with it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's wild. He played for the defunct twin city Vulcans. Who's also alumni to Adam Burkle. So a little bit of you. Yeah. Little USHL yeah. shout out there. Was um, it Rochester Mustang time? Is that what you said? N- <laughs> no, Twin City Vulcans. Twin City Vulcan, okay. Yeah, because Rochester had a time in the USHL too, and I can't remember if he played there as well. Uh, maybe. Could be. Um, If you could change one thing about Minnesota, Al, what do you think it'd be? Mosquitoes. Every single mosquito would be gone in the summer. When we were in California, we had no bugs, and uh, you don't realize how great it is until uh, you get back to Minnesota, and then you got mosquitoes at like seven o'clock that are just horrible. Yeah, that kind of comes with the land of ten thousand lakes, right? Oh man, you're exactly right. It's uh, and then every year, like you know, they're gonna be bad, but you always gotta hear like someone like you're at, like just like last night, for example. I heard it again. We were at a section baseball game and. You know, one of the ladies sitting there like, oh, it's supposed to be a really bad year for mosquitoes this year. And I just, a lot of times I want to be like, when is we, when have we not had a bad year for mosquitoes, you know? Yeah. Isn't and, that uh, classic Midwestern uh, though, to say something like that? Oh yeah. Like, oh, it's going to be, yeah. Oh yeah. I, it's, it's so great. You know, and <laughs> it's so different than Chicago, uh, you know, where I spent the last like eight months, it'd be, uh. A lot different. Like these effing mosquitoes, I tell you what, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the lady next to me was like, come on. We know it's gonna be horrible. We're already bracing for it. A um, quick side note on the whole Minnesota conversation. Like, where does the state fair sit for you, Al? Uh, and this is bad. This is bad to say, but we go back to Mall of America and a lot of people. There's like ten times the amount of people at the Minnesota State Fair. It's uh Oh, uh, it's a, it's a grind because it's usually like 120 degrees and humid and, uh, there's food everywhere. It's right when you're starting to really ramp it up for the season and get, get in good shape. And then you got all these food vendors. You want to eat everything in sight. There's a million people, long lines. Your kids want to grab everything. It's a long day. It's almost like Disneyland, you know, it's, uh, it is nuts. Have you, any of you guys been there? No, it's bucket list for me. I got to go just because I need that bucket of cookies and the uh, footlong corn dog. But uh, I, I reckon that you you try to avoid those cookies once it's yeah, uh, a little like season. A little <laughs> bucket of cookies is like three buckets. They stack it over the top. It's like beyond like any science. It's crazy how the cookies even hang on there and build up and stay together. <laughs> but well, what uh, an anomaly. It's it's crazy. It's uh yeah, it's definitely a bucket list item if you haven't been there for a day is probably good. Two days is probably too much. For sure. Um, you spent some time in San Jose. Are there a lot of a lot of nerds in Silicon Valley. Mm. Yeah, Joe Thornton still lives there, so there's still one nerd that I know for sure. <laughs> um 
No, it's uh, it's not. No, I there's. It was a great spot. The people are so friendly. It's almost I don't want to say they're like Midwest friendly. But I mean they kind of are. Like it's it's there's no reason anybody out there should be in a bad mood. Every day you wake up at 75 degrees, the sun's out. Like it's not too hot, it's not too cold. It's uh a beautiful place to live if you got a good chunk of change in your pocket, that's for sure. Yeah, it's that, uh that chunk of you're 30 minutes got to be ocean. pretty big. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh you know, the ocean's 30 minutes from San Jose. You got great golf courses. Um, it's just, yeah, we had, uh, that was pre-kids, and uh, we had a ton of fun out there. It was, uh, and we were fortunate. We had an unbelievable group of guys, too. Like, to this day, still, as far as tightness and closeness of a group, there's, uh, it's a tough team to rival how close that group was. That's awesome. Uh, do you call them pants or do you call them breezers? Breezers. You know that. Come on now, Minnesota. Yeah, I know, but I mean, when you're when you're dealing with equipment guys now, when you're walking around, I've learned like you got to call them pants. Or when you're in the room around anybody else, you get heat if you do call it breezers. But when we're here in Minnesota and we're going to like youth hockey or kids hockey or any of that, every everybody here calls them breezers. So yeah, but can they really even be called pants? They stop at your knee, right? No, they're shorts. If anything. Right. Yeah, that's true. And you could get in that fight all day. Hockey pants. I mean, I don't know if that started with Cooperalls or what, because there was a, a couple of years of Saul St. Paul Packers that wore Cooperalls to the uh, high school state tournament. So oh, hell yeah. it was cool to see that's Philly. So it was cool to see Philly did it. Philly did it this year, which was cool to see. They did it in warmups for that. Uh, was it like the lead dump their outdoor game or whatever they had? Um, yeah, the, the equipment manager there, Ricky Bromwell, did an awesome job with uh, designing those Cooperalls and getting them done. Yeah, I think I think it was when they because you guys had the reverse retros this year across the league, right? So I think oh yes, out yes. for that first uh, the first game with them or whatever. Yeah, that was sweet. That was awesome. Uh, Al, oh, dude, you- there's a pic. There's a picture. Uh, there's a picture on Google I just found, and it's literally it's if you type in South St. Paul Packers Cooperalls, it comes up. It's two guys. They have uh cooper all's on and then i think they both have cat eye cages on too playing forward yeah those helmets was probably like a yeah. jumper or something yeah and the, and one guy's just jumping through the other guy's <laughs> forehead oh man do you see it yeah hang on i'll share it they don't so, make them like they used to no. I, I, that might have been like the that might have been like the phil halsey era. oh i ew. think plenty dyna too with the all glass boards look at that yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The uh, they used to have you could see people's feet and popcorn and stuff through the glass, and that only lasted a couple years. Where'd that other picture go? I had it. This guy. That was probably at the Civic Center, right? St. Paul Civic Center, I think. Yeah. Can you guys see that the pic? I don't know why I can't. Mine's spinning. Oh, your screen sharing is paused. Stop share. That guy here, Google Chrome, Sam St. Paul, share. Stop share. Your screen sharing is paused. Why is that? That's sad. Well, <clears throat> pictures are so funny. Resume share. All you typed in was South St. Paul Cooper. I was in a bunch of South St. Paul history. Oh, yeah. Huh. Wonder why. Yeah, there's a pic. We'll have to send it to you later. Incredible. Yeah, I mean, what I mean, imagine. I wonder why they ever left that because everything had to be built in. 
especially now for like getting your kid dressed for hockey, it'd be so nice just to pull up pants and everything's in there. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, there yeah. used to, well, there used they to be those, those tor, those torso jumpsuits. Like your, it was literally like one big, one big thing, and it it had shoulder pads, elbow Stone pads, pants, yeah, pants and shin pads all sewn in, and then you'd slide it up. And then you'd zip it up. It was one of the crazy. Cra- I remember seeing him at Piranis when I was a kid and stuff like that. And I was like, "Holy fucking cow!" But I mean, I mean, I just, I just, I just saw this picture. That is freaking funny, man. The one solid stripe all the way down is just <laughs> a look. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out who's hitting who in that picture. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's clean. I'll tell you that. That's a good. Like, is twenty hit. hitting the guy? Is twenty hitting the guy in white, and he got reverse hit, or what is going on here? That's old time hockey, man. An absolute. Uh, it is wooden log to the chin, too. I might add. <laughs> yeah, that stick probably weighs eight pounds. Oh man, um, Al, can you uh, can you still do a hop step? A hop step? Yeah. Are you talking about coming across the crease on like a shuffle? Yeah, absolutely. Click the heels together, leave the ice, and <laughs> and then <laughs> fall back down to the ice with the hop. Hey, stuff. he's still on it, dude. He's still on. I it was just sure. gonna say every goalie coach I've had has tried getting me to go to a T push, and I physically can't do it. <laughs> I hop step. Quick, quick, still does it too. Oh man, that's vintage. On the on the wide two on one on a wide two on one play all day, I hop step. I have to. I don't know what else to do. <laughs> Well, you know, in terms of speed and height, I think uh, for uh, the five foot club, it's the quickest way for us to get over. You know what I mean? Ev, what do you uh, mean? Absolutely. Oh yeah, sorry, yeah. six foot. Hey, six feet, bud. Come on, six foot. Um, six, six and a yeah, half. Yeah, no, it's still it's still a huge part of my game. I've been trying to trying to open up and t push, and um, it's amazing how hard an adjustment it is to make on small stuff like that when the play is happening and. You can do it all day in practice. It's like going to the driving range. You flush your driver on the range and you go to the first tee and slice one or snap <laughs> hook one. It's like morning skate. You're working on that play. You're working on drive, drive, like a wide pass and just an easy shot, feeling good. You do it all day and make a save, feel square, control the rebound. All of a sudden it happens in a game, same exact play. It's a freaking hop, step, flying over late to the play, finally getting square. Is there uh, is there anything else? That you think you still, that's still like a part of your game, kind of from the last generation of goaltending, if you will, or however you want to say it? Yeah, I think there's some stuff. Like, I think one knee down, I still love, well, I think at my size, two reverse VH makes me a little bit vulnerable. Um, So I use, especially on my glove side, I use one knee down all the time. I just feel way more comfortable on that angle doing it. Um what happened this summer? Every every year in the summer, there's a goalie coach that comes up with uh, a new move. Last year was the panda overlap, and uh, I'm excited to get to training camp this year to see what we got to adapt to now. Because <laughs> uh, I finally kind of started getting the panda overlap, and uh, I'm sure something new will come out this summer with some type of move that, uh, you know, maybe a guy that went deep in the playoffs like an Aiden Hill or uh, Bob Rofsky did last year during the finals that we'll have to emulate, but. Uh, yeah, it's the one knee down for sure on that side. Um, other than that, uh, I don't think there's a ton that – I mean, I can't – skate save is really hard to pull off in a game. That might be <laughs> end of the period, no time left, like a slap shot from the other end, and the horn went off. But uh, <laughs> Just to I show think, you still uh, got it. 
But yeah, playing the puck a little bit, I still on my – oh, this is glove side too because you can't do it on the other side. If it's a tight play at the trapezoid, I use a uh, like a kick shot with my uh, my stick behind – or my skate behind That's my it. stick blade and uh, kind of flip it or pop it with my skate because it's hard to get leverage on your forehand as a goalie, you know. You got no strength on the toe of your blade on your forehand. So if a guy's barreling in on you, the only thing really to do is kind of kick it and pop it up. And uh, yeah, I learned that uh, – we worked on that in San Jose a little bit with uh, my goalie coach there at the time, Wayne Thomas and uh, Corey Schwab. Schwab. So I was, I was uh, telling these guys when I was when I was younger, there used to be a video on uh, on Stauber's. Just we started talking about puck playing, and I don't know how we can talk to you without talking about playing the puck. So there used to be a right. video on uh, <laughs> on Stauber's YouTube, and I. I was telling them when I was like 13 or 14 years old, I'd watch it all the times. And it was just five minutes. It was when you were at Duluth, it was five minutes and it was just all clips of you just playing the puck. And I think my favorite thing I on the, on the tape was there was, there was a good probably minute and a half, two minutes. And it, it was whenever you caught a puck clean, you'd immediately, it would be two or three hard strides up ice to see if you could find oh, someone yeah. and hit like a seam or something. And uh, I actually I played for uh, I played for Rawls at OSU, so uh, I I talked to him about it, and it was just it was just it, it was really funny to uh, to hear even uh, when you were that. And I mean, you can you can tell me if I'm if if this is a story he was fibbing me on or not. But he ta- he told me he used to uh, you'd get off the ice after practice. Uh, throw some player gear on and come back out for like an hour and, and rip around with, uh, with the boys for a little bit. Uh, is yeah, there... no, go ahead. Sorry. There is truth to that. And, uh, Rawls at the time was the assistant coach, but, uh, Sandy too, they get pretty pissed off when I come back out and we play, we call it juice boy where we play, uh, like shot and then a breakaway, you know, like two puck essentially is what it's evolved to, but, yeah, I go down, I take my pads off, I leave like my goalie well, breezers or pants, whatever you want to call them on, and I take <laughs> everything else off and I come back out and we play two puck and um I just loved I was I loved playing out. Like I, I got to play out all the way through Pewies every other game, which I was so lucky to do. And I look back and like I wish every goalie had the opportunity to do that. You kinda learn the game. Learn the learn how to play the game and see the game a different sure. way and and I really liked going to the rink, honestly, when I was younger, playing forward more than I had to play goalie. It was just more fun at that age, you know, I felt like. And when I had to make the decision to, you know, fully stay in goal, it was uh, it was kind of tough. You didn't get to skate out anymore. And um, so when I had the opportunity to ever, you know, go out and grab a player stick and fire the puck around, I loved doing it. And, um, yeah, that's, that's a true story. And... Uh, I mean, in college, you had you get done with your classes, you had all day on the ice. You know that. So, oh, yeah. I mean, guys would stay on the ice forever. And um, thank God for the goalies at the time. At the time, I think we had Brady Jelly and Kenny Ryder. Um, Brady ended up going to Ohio Ohio State. Yeah. Um, went back to Cedar Rapids in Ohio State, and Kenny Ryder went on to win a national first national championship at uh, UMD in 2011. Um, so it was uh, it was fun. They probably didn't love me coming out and getting more shots for them, but. Uh, it was a fun little break to take away from this position to get out and uh, have fun with the guys. Kind of a loaded, uh, kind of a loaded goalie lineup you guys had, though. I mean, you Jelly was a pretty good goalie, and obviously Ryder, he's a pretty, 
create good goalie. Yeah, there, yeah, and then yeah, you look at the the goalies that came after too. Uh, you know, you got Hunter Miska, Pascasuo, Hunter Shepard. It's uh, oh, yeah. They've had a good run, and obviously to get as far as they did and win as many national championships as they did, they uh, they uh, did a good job of finding the right goalie. So going back to uh, going back kind of to the beginnings, like one of the other other things, and I mean Rawls was a Minnesota guy, so he probably had an idea of who you are. We're all grown up, but one of the other things he said is when you first kind of started out, it was. Uh, he thinks you got so good at playing the puck because all you do is sh- ship your brother on breakaways and stuff like that in youth hockey. Was did you really start like snapping it around early, or was that kind of something that came along later? Well, so for uh, I mean, for us goalies that uh, know handling the puck, I'm a lefty when I skate out. So for me catching with my left hand, it's just natural to play the puck that way. You know, so I couldn't even imagine if there's, you know, being a right shot goalie and you have to play the puck left-handed all of a sudden, I probably wouldn't have screwed around with the puck as much in between whistles and coaches were talking and shooting puck. Um, so I was lucky that way. And my brother was always shooting pucks in the driveway, so I felt like I needed to. So I had to learn how to shoot pucks in the driveway too, and I loved doing it and trying to shoot as many pucks as he did growing up. So, you know, over time, your shot starts to get better and you start figuring it out, and then I'd be out there with my glove and blocker shooting puck. And, uh, you know, by the time you get older, you know, Bantams has started, you know, playing it a lot. I actually scored my only career goal in Bantam hockey. And uh, I've been chasing that feeling for number two for a long time now. And uh, <laughs> I've joked with people if I get, if I score in the NHL, that, that might be the last game. But um, it's, uh, it's a goal, you know, obviously any goalie wants to score a goal, but it's uh, something I tried a few times to get. And, uh, Turns out it's pretty tough, and that's why there's a small, uh, small list of goalies that have goals in this league. But uh, yeah, I think it just started at a young age, man. It's uh, coaches are doing a drill, are doing in zone work, and you know they don't need a goalie sometimes at, at youth hockey or running a practice where you know you're not needed for 20 minutes. I'd be at the other end shooting pucks around, screwing around, hitting the glass, probably annoying them. But uh, yeah, it uh, turns out uh, nowadays it's. Uh, prerequisite to play goalie is how to handle the puck and handle it efficiently and um, how much it can help your group out. Yeah. No, uh, I mean, that was, like I said, when I, when I've, we were actually, well, last week we had uh, Jackson Stauber on and that was one of the things I brought up with him was that, was that video, but sadly it got, I don't know where it went, but it got taken down, but that was that even when I was, yeah, when I was coach, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but even when I was coaching kids here around Cleveland, I, I was showing them that just because it was like, hey, this this can really, I mean, it's crazy how much it can set you apart. Because, I mean, there, there's how many guys that can really, you know, they're effective goalies and they can play the position well. But, I mean, the the list of guys that can play the puck as well as, you know, someone like you or someone like, uh, you know, Marty Turco or whoever, the, the list is a lot shorter, so definitely a good way to yeah. set yourself apart and i mean no, you know, obviously definitely helped you out a ton it is a skill that uh you know they mention nowadays in goaltending right when they even when someone's asking about somebody or you know say it's say rawls reaches out and asks about a goalie or whatever you know it always is brought up well how you know how does he play the puck or can he play the puck or any of that which you know how many years ago would that even have been in the 
in the uh, conversation, you know. So, yeah, you know, the, the positions obviously came a long way. And, um, I mean, starting with Broder, obviously getting the trapezoid put in was, uh, you know, kind of the beginning of it, really, I feel like. No, and I think we were at the combine this last, or just a couple of days ago, I guess. I keep feeling like it was last week because it, it felt so long. But uh, we're talking to some people like it's it's a huge thing that guys are asking about, and you know, coaches, scouts, everybody, when you're making decisions. And I don't even think it's you know snapping around and like setting up a breakout play or hitting a guy at the far blue, but like being able to comfortably stop, get your head up, and make a stop behind the net uh, to help the D side out and do things like that. I think. Uh, it's all stuff they're yeah. looking for. It's changed the game. So, yeah, just even like leaving it in the right spot, noticing if you have a righty or a lefty coming back and letting them Huge. skate onto a speed versus having it jammed up against the net or jammed up against the boards, which, you know, it's stuff the average fan, if you go watch a game, you don't notice that stuff. But, you know, the whole thing in the NHL is coming out of your own zone fast and not spending a lot of time in there. So I think, uh, you know, as a defenseman, they really appreciate it when you leave the puck in a good spot for them. So they're not, uh, coming around the net and they got a guy like Matthew to Chuck bearing down, getting ready to go through their chest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It definitely saves a little pressure. Um, yeah. Al, I, I wanted to get into it cause Scotty, Scotty Hughes and Berkey told me about this and I didn't know this at the time, but initially um, when you started getting going uh, and you were kind of making the jump to pro, I believe that was the timing of it. You had a pretty serious injury, which ended up cutting. You got a leg cut right behind the knee. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, it was my second. Uh, yeah, it was my second year pro in yeah. Uh, Worcester. Yeah, um, yeah, I got stepped on by a skate. Uh, you know, freak play that uh, you know doesn't happen much. But a guy tried jumping over me. I was just freezing the puck on my stomach, yeah. and a guy tried jumping over behind me and came down on my far leg. And um, yeah, I went to stand up and I had like no strength or nothing in my ankle, and I didn't know what was going on. And I thought maybe like when we went to the training i left the ice and we went to the training room i thought my ankle was gonna be like you know you see like those boxing matches where their ankles are bent in or i'm like just don't tell me if my ankle bent because i don't want to see it you know and yeah they're looking for it my foot was fine oh that's fine then they go on the side of my knee and they're like oh we got a cut and i'm like oh perfect you know and <laughs> you know six hours later i'm at the hospital across the street and you know i told my parents i gotta grab my phone they watch every game so oh, I just cut my leg, you know, and then the surgeon calls my dad and yeah, he's in surgery. He's got a sliced nerve and tendon. And my parents were obviously like, well, I thought it was a cut with the, you know. Um, but yeah, later that night we found out that it was uh, a lot more severe than just, uh, just a cut. And uh, that was probably a year long rehab uh, process about. And uh, yeah, it was, it was tough. It was the last year of my contract and, to this day, to this day, I still think San Jose. I mean, they didn't know if I was gonna ever play again. They gave me a contract that summer, basically 50-50, whether I'd even be able to play hockey again. And uh, I was able to rehab in Worcester for a long time, and then I came back and played my first games in the East Coast League with Stockton, um, which was great. I got to see if I could still play, and um, you know, it wasn't easy being off for a year and coming back and jumping right into midseason hockey. Um, Played some games there, and I ended up going back to Worcester, and Worcester was logjam that year. Ended up getting uh, loaned to Peoria at the time. This dates back. Ben Bishop just got traded out of uh, St. Louis to Ottawa. Um, so they needed a guy for a playoff run, and at the time they had uh, 
Jake Allen is their starter. Um, and, uh, I went in there and played a few games and then I, uh, ended up breaking a finger and, uh, and then that year, that year ended, it was like a year of year and a half of just like, this can't, this can't get any worse. But, uh, and then after me, they call up, uh, Jordan Bennington. Uh, I think he finished his uh, junior year and ended up coming up. So they had Jake Allen, Jordan Bennington, um, his goalies down in Peoria. So it's kind of a crazy, uh, the goalie carousel that took, took place in Peoria that year. What, I mean, when you went through the rehabbing and stuff of that, because obviously it's kind of a lot of recovery and learning how to like, I mean, creating those nerve endings and getting all that balance back in your leg. Was there ever a shot where you were thinking how oh, like I might be done with this or were you full gung ho on like I'm rehabbing, I'm going to go back and play? I think I was so young and kind of dumb that like it was your first <laughs> real bad injury that it was like, what, I mean, it's just an injury. Like everybody comes back from an injury, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I didn't know any better, which was probably good. Um, and like I said, San Jose was so good through the whole process. Um, you know, I'm, I'll always be thankful for, for what they did. Um, but yeah, definitely there were days, I mean, it was like the whole reconnection of the nerve. I got done at uh, Mayo Clinic in Minnesota, like 14 days after the injury. And, you know, it was a, uh, kind of a 50, 50 deal if I'd ever get feeling back into my foot. And, uh, they said, if it does regenerate, it grows like a millimeter a day. So coming from the back of my knee, it needed to go a long ways down to my foot. And, uh, I still remember, you know, as months went on, I'd start getting a little bit more sensation down the side of my shin and get more into the top of my foot. And slowly I could start maybe like moving my toes and pulling them back a little bit. And that was kind of where I got excited and, uh, it really started to sink in. Like, I think this thing's going, you know, and I think we're, we're hopefully going to be good and, uh, get over this. And, uh, yeah, it took a lot of really interesting work. And it's a funny story. how sometimes stuff like that can really help your career because obviously when I went into, uh, pro hockey, um, yep. I didn't really have a foundation or, uh, game plan or anything. So, I got there and, um, you know, it was the first time I had a goalie coach with me every day and I got through my, my, I got through my rookie year with, you know, just relying solely on my athletic ability and the unbelievable team we had in front of me. Mm-hmm. I was really fortunate to come into a great group of players. We had an unbelievable team and I had my phone sitting right in the sun. I'm on my, I'm on my, pa- I'm on my patio all back. And all of a sudden I look at my screen and said, uh, it's too hot, so I went and put it on the air conditioner. I'm back. <laughs> All right, so I'll pick up. I'll keep it in the. Sh- I'll keep it in the shade. Um, oh man. No, so I, I don't know where we lost you, but uh, no, I was talking about the injury being out and how uh, it's almost a blessing it happened because when I came into pro hockey, I relied solely just on like athletic ability and yep. Um, you know, make the first save and my second save would be like a somersault, and then you do a reverse pad stack for your third save. There was no <laughs> crawl game, no no down move, and. Uh, so my second year after I got hurt, I came back and started rehabbing that fall when I could start wearing skates. And that was, uh, that was actually a crazy day. Just putting on skates for the first time and going to skate. Cause I couldn't really lift my foot up that great yet or anything, but at least I could get around on skates. But as we slowly started adding, uh, gear on, um, it was a great time to like learn how to, you know, push down. I never had a butterfly recovery and, uh, I worked out on a ton that year with uh, my goalie coaches in San Jose, uh, Corey Schwab and Wayne Thomas, just 
day uh, day after day, just straight down movements, working on recovery, making the first save, getting to the second puck in control. And as much as it sucked missing a year of uh, development at that age, I think it was it was almost a great time for me to really slow down and develop some type of foundation that uh, that helped me obviously you know, extend my career and keep playing, but uh, you wouldn't have the time to do it during a regular season, you know, to really, you know, work for 40 minutes alone on as simple as it sounds is down shot recovery over on the angle. And we pounded that in and uh, it was uh, at the time it sucked. You didn't see a lot of pucks and you moved a ton, but I think it was uh, huge for my career. And you, it's, where you're at in terms of age, like goalies that are in that eighties birth year, late eighties, like there was so much that changed in goaltending, right? Like as you're growing up playing, the puck became big, the butterfly became huge. And now how you're recovering, like you just talked about has completely changed. So if anything, like you said, it was almost a blessing because when you come from an injury like that, where you completely wiped the slate clean, you weren't skating the next time you stepped back on, it was you knew what you needed to do and you knew how to play, but now you could just start relearning and teaching the body new things without having to break down old habits, right? Yeah, and the game became a lot easier, you know, and not as scrambly and um, not just throwing the body just, around and stacking, just diving, left making the right. first save, and <laughs> yeah, and throwing paddles and blockers and and gloves everywhere. But uh, yeah, it was a it was a huge year for me. I mean, I still remember like one of my first development camps in like '05. You know, uh, Navi was a goalie in San Jose, and we did a lot of stuff where, I mean, the puck would only be in tight, and we'd be following the guy around the crease on our feet. You know, it was like shuffle, 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 like 20 little shuffles across the crease following a guy on a tight play. Yep. And and, and then, you know, the game slowly changed, and, um, you know, in San Jose got uh, Niami, and, you know, obviously he won a cup for, for Chicago, and, you saw the way he played. He was down a lot. He used his long legs. And um, now all of a sudden we were trying to relearn how to play down, how to how to be big down low, take away, cut angles down with our blockers. And, um, you know, it's just it's funny how the game evolves every, you know, couple years. And there's sorry, the position itself, especially yeah. um, from the day, uh, the first day of pro hockey to where it is now, it's just so different. Like, you know, if you would have asked about the Panda overlap in, in 2010, I think, you know, you would have got laughed at or why are you taking away half the net when it's, why are you taking away half the net when it's on the outside of the net, you know? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's always changing. It's always developing. But, uh, right. Al, going back to your San, well, going further into your San Jose years, uh, like guys with Pavelski, Couture, Thornton, Burns, Marlowe, like you want to talk about some legends in the game that like, you know, I got to grow up watching. What was it like? I mean, you already kind of said that that group is so tight. Are those the guys you're talking about or? Yeah. I mean, and then there's a ton more, uh, Brad Stewart, um, Scott Hannon, yep. um, Rafi Torres. Uh, I mean, that locker room, you can go through that whole locker room. It's, uh, it was unbelievable the guys that and you didn't realize at the time you were young and you just think like, oh, every every NHL locker room's this way, you know? Yeah. And uh <laughs> it's uh you know, every room's great in its certain way, in its own individual way, and every team's different. But at the time you don't realize when you're that young, like you only get a certain amount of years with this group and um 
you learn a lot how to be a pro from guys like that, uh, how to have fun at the rink, how to handle wins, how to handle losses. Um, it was uh, another opportunity or just blessing for me to be able to go out to the rink every day and watch, you know, a 30-year-old Joe Thornton at the time, you know, acting like he's like 12, you know, and how Patrick Marlowe goes to the rink every day and does, you know, it's business when he goes in there and takes care of what he needs to get done. And, you know, a guy like Burns is just like Jumbo, just loves to have fun. He's still playing, you know, unbelievable minutes right now in Carolina. And yep. um, there's a reason that these guys played into their forties and you see a guy like Pavelski who just obviously had an incredible run in playoffs after what he went through in that first round. Um, he's got another year and, yeah, Logan Couture, obviously wearing the C in San Jose. Thomas Hurdle, they're the, the leadership group out there now. I remember when Tomas first showed up to San Jose, barely knew any any language or any <laughs> English, and and now he's uh, now he's a leader in that room. He plays hard minutes, uh, and uh, yeah, it's just incredible what uh, how fortunate I was to play with you know guys of that character and and to learn how to be a pro and how you know the rink at the end of the day is to go and have fun and uh, those guys kind of showed the way for us young guys uh, how to handle it. For sure. And that, that is one of the things that I've learned doing this the last, you know, however many years it's been is uh, you meet guys where like hockey becomes a job. Like hockey has been a job for them since juniors almost, you know, where it's like, Oh, it's a drag to go. I gotta go to fucking practice. I gotta, you know, we got practice all week and then we got workouts and then they go to college and now you're mixing in, you know, classes with hockey and everything just seems to be such a chore. It's like, by the time you, if you have the opportunity to get to pro hockey you've already burnt yourself out mentally because you just assume that this is all just such a chore and it's such work, right? right? Where I, it's a 100% a job, but you got to still enjoy that the game that you're professional at and have fun with it and find ways to break up the days, the weeks and you know, the season by having a good time. Right. Absolutely. I mean, the, the pressure of the game, it's, it's a lot of pressure and um, you know, you go to, anywhere sometimes in public and people have questions like this, why are you playing? Why are you not stopping the puck or you go to your kids stuff and um, you know, they're asking questions and it's like, you got to answer to the media again, you know, in front of your own kid. And um, yeah, the pressures of the game can definitely wear on you if you can't, uh, you know, handle it the right way. And if you can't have fun and um, I couldn't imagine not being able to show up to the rink every day with a smile on your face and be grateful that you get to go into, you know, these, facilities state-of-the-art facilities now that uh, have everything a guy needs to to be successful and um it's an environment a lot of people dream of being in and there's a small percentage of us that are lucky enough to do it and every day is uh you know a great opportunity to go in and and have fun and enjoy what you do because you know as i learn as i get older it doesn't last forever and you never know how many days you have left doing it yeah no absolutely uh, I wanted to touch on this because it was it was kind of cool for me to hit with Stauber, uh, a kid that grew up playing high school hockey in Minnesota before he left for Michigan, of course. Um, going to the USHL, winning Clark Cup, going to college and then signing pro and getting his first you know few NHL games in just this season. And when you grow up a kid and you're dreaming of playing in the NHL uh, and you want to play pro hockey and it doesn't always work out for everybody, but there's those elite few that have that gift. To go back and play in your home state in St. Paul, where you grew up, how cool was that to sign and have those years with the Wild? Oh, it was awesome. And, 
you know, as a kid, like a middle school kid going to, you know, the games in the early 2000s and watching like, you know, Darby Hendrickson, you know, score for the wild, the kid that grew up in Richfield and um, got to live the dream, put on a wild sweater for, um, you know, how many years here and playing big playoff games for him. It was, uh, it was something that, you you know, for a Minnesota kid that was, you know, the ultimate goal. And, uh, you know, that summer when Chuck Fletcher called, who was the GM at the time here in Minnesota and gave me an opportunity to possibly come back to Minnesota. And I thought it was a no brainer to have the ability to to live at home and pull over, pull a wild sweater over your head and play in front of, you know, not only people that sell out the XL every night, but the people way up on the iron range or war road, Minnesota, and all the people that go to the small bars in the middle of nowhere that are watching wild games and bitching about why Staylock's not stopping pucks or (laughs) Parisi's not scoring goals or Suter's not cross-checking guys. It's, uh, you know, that's, that's the reason that makes it so fun. And, uh, yeah, to, 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 to do it, not many guys have, have honestly been able to, to, to do, to do that anywhere around the league. And, uh, yeah, to be one of the lucky few to do that, it was, uh, incredible four years to, to be able to wear a wild sweatshirt. That's for sure. No, that's awesome. I, I like the, the mix of like completely understanding and, it is interesting when like you go to games and you see NHL players and you got, you know, parents coming up to them while they're just trying to watch their kid and have, you know, a day with the family and asking them like, why aren't you stopping the puck or why'd you go paddle down here? And <laughs> when are the wild going to turn it around? Cause it's crazy. It does. Yeah, happen, oh, yeah. but Taking it with oh, humilities yeah. is uh that's pretty impressive. So. Yeah, no, it happens. And uh, as long as they're saying it to me, I just uh, wasn't a big fan. Uh, thank God my kid was only, you know, first grade was uh, the oldest he was here when he went to school. But some of the other kids, you know, kids going to school, you know, other kids can be mean. And, you know, when kids start saying stuff to another kid at school, that's when it can be tough. And as long as they say it to the player and, you know, face to face, that's fine. But sometimes when uh, the kid on kid stuff in school gets involved, that's when it can kind of be tough, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because I never I, even thought of that, dude. That's yeah. No, it's, that's unreal. He, yeah, and you hear about that stuff, and it kind of stinks. And your kid's got to almost answer questions for you. Or he comes home and asks a question about the game, and and you kind of know what happened. You know, like oh, someone at school must have said something, and yeah, you got to kind of explain to them, you know, what your job entails. You know, they come home and they're like, "Dad, why'd you go for that <laughs> flying bow check on that one on a breakaway or something?" But uh, oh yeah, no, it's it. I, I mean, still get reminded. I still get reminded from my boy. We had a game in Minnesota. We lost six nothing at home. He was at the game, and I don't even—I can't remember. Maybe I got pulled late in the third, but he still to this day will bring that game up randomly. He'd be like, "Remember when you played the Jets and you guys lost six nothing? That was crazy." <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, it was. You know, like of all the games he could think of, that's like the one that just still sticks in his mind. You gotta look at him and be so, like, "Hey, you gotta turn the page, buddy. We gotta move all on." Right, all right, that one's over. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll watch that someday. We'll sit down and watch it. We'll watch it and we'll flush it. Hopefully. Uh, I think because the hard part is like I, I do a little bit of youth goalie coaching and, you know, I deal with a handful of kids around here, even with just gear. And like when you hear about bullying and stuff, it's one thing. And, you know, there's a lot of conversations to be had with like where that comes from and parents and things like that. That's hard enough to deal with. But then, you know, you're you got kids that they're not they're not used to dealing with questions. Right. Like they don't solve all the questions right. like you do where you've seen them you know, night in, night out, or, well, how do you feel about this? Or why did this happen? Or what are you guys going to do next? Where, you know, you can give, you know, a pretty generic answer and then mix in with what's what's actually going on. 
where like mm-hmm. kids, everything's like face value and they're they're gonna shoot it straight and be like, Why why did the Minnesota Wild Why did he suck him? last night? Yeah. yeah. So Yeah, it's, it's, it's uh interesting. they're pretty blunt. They're pretty blunt. Whether it's your own kid or some someone else's kid, it's uh they're getting right to the point. There's not uh there's not a lead into it, you know, like, oh, things have been going good in the past and blah, blah, blah. But why do you suck now? You know, it's just like, what's the deal? Why you can't stop the puck? I still can't believe. Hey, dad, why'd you get six piece against Winnipeg? That's brutal. Yeah, six nothing. <laughs> we'll just drive by the XL sometimes if we're going across town. We'll be like, dad, is that the XL? Yeah. Remember when you lost six nothing to the Jets? Yep. I oh, do. That's, that's so classic. Hey, never mind you oh, being yeah. your worst critic. Your kids, your worst critic, apparently. Holy! I know, I know. Hey, he's tough on me. I think he gets pissed about my uh, NHL rating. I don't. I'm not good enough on there. Yeah, I, I got to do a lot better. You mean he doesn't pick you for his own shell team? No, I think he does, but I think he's hard on me because my rating's probably in the fifties. <laughs> oh no! Ruthless, ruthless, savage. Yeah. Um, but. Al, the la- the other question that I was curious about is I know, you know, the amount of the amount of mental toughness I think that you've had to have throughout your entire career is very, very impressive. And I think it's definitely worth noting. Um, because you you've had, you know, we'll call it mountains to climb, right? The leg cut, the nerve cut, and then this COVID recovery. This is what I wanted to ask about is, you know, at this point you had some setbacks and you obviously had to take a lot of time off to <clears throat> reassess the body and make sure things got right. I mean, mentally, what was that like? And uh, what was it like trying to get over that and get back onto the ice? Well, that one was different because I mean, it was obviously physical, um, mm-hmm. you know, but you didn't really have any answers, you know, and Kirk COVID first got, you know, hit, no one had any answers to anything. There was no history to it. And, so when you get diagnosed with something like this, who are you going to ask? Because no one really understands. So you deal with – you get so many different opinions. You deal with – you know, I think we dealt with six, seven cardiologists. Um, wow. my, my family doctor here uh, try to get answers, multiple MRIs. And uh, you really just kind of had to wait. And um, sat and did nothing for like five months and um, – then got clearance to get back and could start getting my heart rate up to like 130. Then I could get it to 150. And um, yeah, it's just a, it was a really uh, weird process where, you know, going through the leg injury, you knew exactly what was going on, how you could rehab it, what would help it, where this was, all you could do was literally nothing. You know, you couldn't get your heart rate up because you didn't know. And then around the world, you see these uh, unfortunate events of yeah. young athletes of, you know, terrible stuff happening on the field and you see felt like every other week something was coming up or there'd be a story on it and kind of scares you a little bit and um now when you got kids three kids and uh it yeah it's never really you know easy on the mind to be like oh this would just be fine you know and still i think to this day it's uh, you know i uh yearly i gotta go in and get checked out to make sure everything's okay and good because i mean it's not like it's my leg anymore it's kind of you know your heart's a pretty important piece of the body and um, absolutely so it's uh yeah it's it's uh it's, it was challenging mentally obviously to the unknowns constant unknowns of whether it was right or wrong to do this or not do this and um 
you know, lucky uh, Chicago picked up the phone and called and gave me a chance because at the end of the day, dealing with all these cardiologists and doctors, the only real way to test if this thing, you know, this thing I say about the heart is able to do it is to really go and do it again and go through a, a, a schedule, a regular season schedule. You know, I mean, you can, you can go to the gym, you can push yourself on a bike, you can work out and, you know, you're not going to push, you know, as hard as you do on the ice when you're competing to make a save or competing in practice or even a game. So it was, uh, you know, the only way that I could really get an answer. And I think I proved that I had the ability to come back and play and um, play at a high level. And, uh, you know, the heart, the heart hung on for a whole, whole year. So that was obviously a huge sign. No, I, I, like I said, I'm missing the word for it, but uh, just the, the tenacity and the ability to come back and, you know, monitor the things like you did is I thought very, very cool. Um, yeah. I forgot. I mean, can I, we, can we maybe, um, I don't think maybe the listeners know necessarily, like, can you maybe walk through a little bit um, of how much monitoring and like staying on top of things when it came to like, you know, your heart and your health and whatnot during that time, like, how extensive really was that process coming back to, like to play and during like those practices and stuff, like how extensive was that medical team? You know, at the time when I got diagnosed with the myocarditis, it was with Minnesota. So it was right after the bubble year up in Edmonton when we went to playoffs. So it was a, it was the shortened season. And, uh, I found out like end of November, uh, we, we found out the season was going to be a go. It was going to be delayed. And in order to get back into the team facilities, he had to test negative for uh, COVID. And uh, so I do remember this because it was like a Thursday or Friday. And I went in, I tested. And then that weekend we were going to a friend's cabin and we were driving up there. It was me and my wife. We had one of our kids and maybe a couple of the other kids in, in our car and my wife and their family had one of our kids in their car. And all of a sudden I get a call like an hour into the drive. The doctor's like, Hey, you're positive for COVID. And I'm like, what? Seriously? And I had like no symptoms. So I, I didn't know what to do is the first time any of, any of us have had it and so i put on a mask we're all masked up in the car like the hell is going on so i call i'm trying to call our friends in front of us like hey we gotta pull over and you know they were kind of like well let's just go we all been hanging out if, if you got it we all have it you know and might as well just go be at the cab and be away from other people I was like, you know what i should go back and, and get tested so i went back and tested and um i had to wait like two days in order to test again to see if i was negative or positive and Two days later, I was negative. So then um, I had the ability now you have to get the heart test done. And so I went and got my heart test just to make sure everything was okay because they were finding this. Obviously, COVID was affecting the heart and athletes and just anybody, really. And uh, during that uh, heart test, uh, they found inflammation in the heart. And that's kind of when it started and went into, uh, I don't say panic mode, but uh, it kind of was the bell went off and we had to dive into what was going on here and actually understand what was the deal with the heart. And, um, so that, that, that's when we got diagnosed and I was told to, you know, basically do nothing for four months. And when I was able to come back, you know, the team would be on the road, the season was underway and I'd be out there with, uh, like our assistant, uh, strength coach and he'd have a heart rate monitor on. We do some skating. And as soon as my heart would hit like 130, stop me and I have to come over and cool down I'd ramp it up again and get to 130 and cool down. And then a week later, I could get it to 140 and then I could get it to 150. And it was just a slow, gradual process. And then, you know, from there on out, I just constantly wore a heart rate monitor and uh, made sure that uh, it never got too high or never spiked or, you know, never had any issues with it. And still to this day, I, uh, 
like to wear a heart rate monitor at all times to see what uh, what's going on with it. That's uh, I mean the the process is it's interesting, and I'm sure it, at times you might have been a touch impatient. So to continue and you know yeah. follow the course, it uh, it takes a lot of uh, I guess the only word I have for it is toughness, tenacity. Um, yeah. Al, I wanted to ask, uh, well, they, wow, I can't believe they spelt your name wrong in this article, but, uh, S T A Y or what? Yeah. They gave you the A Y there. Um, but you were, uh, you work with another friend of the pod guy goes by Brennan Potter's a, uh, salt to the earth, Minnesota man, like salt to the earth type of guy. Ely, Minnesota. Yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, he beat me any... in the state tournament. He beat me in the state tournament. No, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, is that place game? Is that why uh, you work with him? You're trying to get, pick yeah. up a couple tips yeah, from that try game. Try to get revenge. Try to get revenge. Yeah. Um, what's it like working with Pods? It's great. Uh, you know, he's the same age as me. He understands. He understands how I play the game, how I like to play the game, and he understands. You know, like what is there to change at this point in your career? Um, but what can we really drive in and be effective with? Um, you know, like what is it really that's going to make me successful? What am I good at? Let's make it, let's make it unbelievable. You know? Yeah. Um, because at 30, you know, going to be 36. I hate saying that, but, uh, how much can you really change? You know, we talk about the hop step, like it's, it's at the point where it's gonna be hard to go to, you know, T push everywhere. Um, but no, it's, it's been, you know, we have a relationship throughout the year. We'll talk, you know, he watches every game I feel like. And, uh, you know, he, uh, he gets that relationship too, you know, like when to chime in, when not to, when to comment, obviously on a good game, when to, you know, stay away on a bad game. And, um, you know, ever since we started working together, I feel like uh, my games, you know, jumped another level and, um, getting ready to go for the season. I feel like I go into training camp with a, you know, a whole another level of confidence that uh, my game's ready to go. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. He's a unreal guy. Great, great guy to hang out with one. And then two, obviously I love what he's been doing on and off the ice with goalies and uh, you know, guys like you and Otter working with him through the summer has been pretty elite. So you love to see it. Yeah, And you see what he's, you see what he's done at the university of Minnesota. Um, obviously with the goaltenders. Mm-hmm. Not only at University of Minnesota, but at, uh, you know, Minnesota State, Mankato. Like, uh, the track record, obviously, what Ryan McKay did there at Mankato was incredible. Uh, yep. The records he set. And uh, now, uh, obviously, you know, Minnesota, Big Ten school, best team in the country this year during, you know, pretty much the whole regular season. And the way Close came in and, you know, played after uh, Fontaine left, uh, LaFontaine left halfway through the year last year, it uh, – you know, it's, that's not easy navigating a college schedule and juggling three goalies and, you know, figuring out who's ready to go each weekend. You know, you play twice a week and 40 games a year. It's not a ton of hockey as far as games. And uh, they got to be ready. They got to be at their, at their best, you know, Friday, you know, and uh, say Saturday doesn't go well. They got to sit on that all week. And that's not, uh, it's not easy and fortunate for us at the pro level. You have a bad night. You're able to get back in there two nights later or a night later, even sometimes. So, He's done a great job, and uh, hopefully, he gets an opportunity someday at the next level to obviously, you know, show uh, show uh, you know how uh, how important he is to uh, an organization. For sure, um, Moiser, Connor, you guys got anything else? That's all I got. I got I got one. 
I got one more. Just kind of going back to the puck play thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <obviously. absolutely. laughs> If you, uh, so we were kind of actually Connor and I were kind of talking about it before you got on, but is there one play that will just always stick in your head that you just cringe at the thought of it that you you made over like like mine I was talking to Connor before mine was like our senior night I went and tried to ship a guy for a breakaway at the far blue and put it right into a guy in Arizona State's stomach and he just buried on it obviously and yeah is, you yeah, have, you isn't it funny any, those any, are the ones that stick with you yeah the those are the ones yeah. that are just like clear as day you'll always remember but you remember every turnover and I mean oh, all yeah. of, uh, the amount of assists or good plays you make you like you Though people bring up like, oh, I remember the pass you made against this right up the middle. I'm like, God, I don't know. I don't. <laughs> but like uh, I my first game back in Minnesota was San Jose. I went behind the net and I, I can't remember if I tried going up the middle or whatever, but I put it right. Zucker caught it with his glove and uh, buried a backhand shelf. Um, <laughs> and that put him up like two nothing, I think. And I can't remember if they went up three nothing the first or something. Like, God, I'm going to get pulled my first game back here in Minnesota. You got to be kidding me. And uh, ended up hanging in there, and we ended up winning that game four three in OT. And I just uh, those are the games when you do make that play, you're like, please somehow, somehow. Yeah. And that night it was the hockey gods were were looking over me and taking care of me. But uh, yeah, that was one my first game here back in Minnesota is uh, probably my it must have been my first or second full year in the NHL. And uh, Todd McClellan probably at the time, you know, as a young guy didn't fully, you know, you don't know what you're going to get from a young goalie and you know to do that early in a game I'm sure there were some head shakes on the bench I don't think I looked over to the bench after that probably not the rest of the game to see what was going on because uh there might have been a few head shakes oh man I did you didn't have your son at that point did you no I don't think so which is good because uh, that'd be on they'd probably be on YouTube every day he'd be like hey dad remember that pizza right up the middle when you came back to the X for the first time man that was bad oh yeah (laughs) And you know, too, when you're in trouble as a goalie with the puck, you know, and, and I've learned as you get older, like get rid of it quicker or just punt it into the corner and get back into the crease. But there's still times where you got it and you're like, oh, God, I have nothing. And uh, sometimes you got it. Sometimes you just almost got to sail it over the glass. That's the only play you have. <laughs> oh, man. Glassing out. Connor, you got anything? Yeah, Al, I got one for you. I mean, you, you kind of you kind of have a unique um perspective i guess when you were drafted in 05 i mean you were going through elite hockey when your draft was kind of in play and then um you kind of went through the lockout maybe if you could just maybe elaborate on kind of how that experience was getting the draft in 05 when the lockout was you know the previous years and whatnot yeah you know i met with one team before the uh the nhl draft that year and it was the new jersey devils and uh oh geez i gotta be oh i'm sorry uh and uh, they ended up taking uh, Jeff Frazee in the second round. So I was like, oh, I'm not getting drafted, you know. And I was actually up north at a buddy's cabin in Emily, Minnesota. And uh, I didn't have great service. I probably had a flip phone back then. And when I got back into service, I found out that I was drafted by the Sharks. I'm like, who the hell drafted me the San Jose Sharks? Who who, who would have ever seen me play? If, you don't know how pro hockey works and there's scouts. and You know what I mean? I'm like, how would San Jose ever – see me at South St. Paul or Cedar Rapids play hockey and you know it was obviously at the time probably Pat Funk who was a scout in Minnesota I found out you know that uh was probably watching me in high school and 
pass a word along, hey, go watch this five seven goalie, and you know he's got some athletic ability, see what he can do, and um, yeah, ended up you know having a couple good years in Cedar Rapids, and yeah, got lucky enough to get drafted in the fourth round by. At the time, you think San Jose, and you have no clue about hockey out there. They were never on national broadcasts, and sure enough, you know, I ended up, you know, making it to the NHL and ended up, you know, potentially ending up in one of the, uh, you know, best locker rooms, you know, to be a part of at the time. Um, you and Stauber are both Clark Cup champs, right? Yeah, I think Stobbs won it, and was it, where did he, was he? He was in Sioux Falls. Sioux Falls. Falls, yes, yeah, the, yep. The Stauber's goal crease is really just letting her fly, huh? Producing mm-hmm. the best of the best out of Minnesota. Yeah, yeah, that's where it all started. Using the Stauber, hands way out. You could, when that Stauber was popular, Wait. you knew, uh, you knew goalies that were Minnesota goalies, like Alex Kangas was a Stauber guy, and uh, yeah, they they put the bar, the harness around your shoulders, and then the bar went across your chest, and it forced your hands to be way out in front of you, so. Anytime you go to like a select festival or whatever, you're like, I know that guy goes to Stauber because his hands are straight out in front of him. Berkey, so he, we, after we had Jackson on and we were talking about the YouTube videos that Moiser loved to watch when he was a kid, he's like, hey, Berkey told me, he's like, you got to Google the, the Stauber. I go, what the hell does yeah. that even mean? And he, he described yeah. what you described. And it, it was just the tool that they hung off your body and it forced your hands just so you were just projecting straight out straight, want... straight out cut, cutting the angles down yeah i want to see one so bad but and you wear it like at like full speed so like your hands would always go with you which was great idea you know and obviously you want your hands out in front of you but uh it over exaggerated but i think it helped kids a ton understand how your hands can be effective you know yeah i yeah, think so you can find one out there on google somewhere no see that these they were a little tricky the Stauber family because any type you you type in the Stauber, they just auto correct it to Stauber so you can't find yeah. it. Yeah, it's kind of like really? uh, it's kind of like the Disney Frozen Google. They created the movie Frozen, so when you Google Disney Frozen, you can't find that Walt Disney was frozen or whatever that is. So I think the Stauber really I didn't know that they were Wait, mentally I think I just dialed found in. It, Ev. Can you what you Google? You have to like auto correct it to uh like how it's you know how at the at the wait hold on maybe I can share my screen. Good luck. Yeah, I can. So when at the top of Google when you type it in, you have to hit search instead for stall bar hockey, and the the link is uh the royal half is the thing, and it's literally it's a vest. With mm-hmm. like an orange or a yellow PVC pipe. yellow bar, yeah, that comes out yeah. of it. I'll see yeah, it's it straight across your chest, and then by your arms, it kind of goes forward at like a forty-five, so it keeps your arms out. Oh, I want to see it. We'll have to. We'll have to start mixing this in. Maybe we can recreate these for our kids, the kids we coach. Or if you can find them on eBay, because the you could buy them. I think you could buy them. <laughs> I want to stall bars so bad. <laughs> Just walk around with them. Yeah, make it a, make it a fashion statement. Um, you look like Frankenstein. Yeah, um, it's like something get... that Kanye West would wear. Yeah, right. With his duck exactly. Boots. Um, you guys got anything else for Al? Al, when are we gonna see the two feet together post play again? 
Did I not use it this year? I don't I don't recall ever seeing it recently. I I still I still like to use it. It's I mean, the problem is with it, it's so easy and it there's no chance the puck I mean, say the ninety nine percent chance that puck's not going in. But if it does go in, you know in the in the media in the meeting or video room, you know the coach is gonna be like, What is he doing there? Yeah. <laughs> But it's the most effective play any shot below the top of the circles. You know, a lot of these guys that take those bad angle shots, it's it's the most effective play. You go into reverse VH and they hit that corner. I mean, Flurry still uses it quite a bit. Thomas Gray still uses it quite a bit. Yeah, um, we we chatted about this um, a little bit on the last podcast, and like we want to we want to see that in the toolbox a little like a little bit more with more um, of these younger guys, just because they don't do it anymore. It's just not it's not taught so. It, It'll come back, don't you think? The evolution of goaltending will come back to like oh, just why not stand to. up. I mean, like it, it, all all I'm seeing is when Flurry that one game he goes to make that save and he, he like scorpion kicks himself like out the back and then coach goalie coaches just use that as an excuse of, of like why not to why we can't yeah exactly yeah. one 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 out of a million times yeah, it happens the one play and the one player that like they're obviously going to highlight they just scorpion kicks himself so we can't do it ever again ever is out of a game now yeah that's it no i agree i'd love to make it a lot easier simplify the you don't have to go down on that play Little VH, little stand-up post play, gotta love it. Um, exactly. You guys good? We're good. Good. Thank you so much, Al. Awesome. Al. Yeah, no problem, you guys. Thank you. Yeah, Al. Thanks fun. for hopping on, man. We're excited to see where anytime the, where the summer takes you. Um, if you need anything from us, obviously let us know. But we can't wait to see what's next. All right. Sounds good, boys. Thank you. All righty, we'll talk to you. Thanks.